You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. It is Monday, May 9th, and we're talking Pirates baseball today with Pirates reporter Adam Barry. Adam, thank you for joining us. And a nice way for the Bucks to wrap up their weekend series uh, in St. Louis, a Mother's Day win against the Cardinals as they take two or three games in that series. The Pirates are now 5-1 and one against the Cards this season. Of course, the team that forced Pittsburgh into the wild card game last year, even after the Pirates won those 98 games, and we all know how that turned out for the Pirates. Not good. I know that, uh, you know, Last year is last year, and this year is this year, and you really can't connect the two. But in some ways, is that kind of playing a role in terms of a little extra motivation for this Pirates team when they when they play the Cardinals? And again, that's the team that forced them into the wild card game, and so far, five wins in six games against them. Actually, if you're going to credit anything for this particular series victory, it would be the team that beat them in the wild card game last year. They were coming off. Uh, sweep against the Cubs. The Cubs had just swept them in their home ballpark and pretty convincingly. And the Pirates sort of regrouped and said, hey, we need to get back to playing our brand of baseball. The Cubs are really good, uh, especially with the Pirates, at making teams change the way that they do things. You know, they ran against Garrett Cole and kind of disrupted his rhythm and his start, and that left Cole out of sync. They, you know, did some things pitching-wise that threw off the Pirates hitters. They, you know, like to mix things up, Joe Madden, you know, we'll scream at Kyle Lobstein just to kind of get a rile out of the Pirates' dugout. So, you know, the Pirates kind of came out of that series disappointed, kind of upset and frustrated with themselves, as, as anything, regrouped and said, hey, let's get back to doing what we do. And that was really what you saw against the Cardinals uh, over the weekend. And I know that uh, you brought up Garrett Cole, and of course he got the starts on uh, Sunday. I think we can all agree he didn't really have his A-plus stuff yesterday, especially in those early innings, but he did work out of some pretty tight jams, I believe, in the, the second and the fourth inning in particular. And, you know, as much as you want to see your ace blow away hitters left and right, you know, 97 on the fastball, tough breaking balls, and they, they have no chance, I think that it's an encouraging sign that when a guy does not have his A-plus stuff, as Cole did not have yesterday, that when he needs to in those tight spots – he can reach back and get a little something extra on the fastball to put guys away and get those big strikeouts when he needed to, and he certainly did uh, on more than one occasion on Sunday. Yeah, that's one of the things that he has going for him. It's why you occasionally hear the Justin Verlander comparison uh, to Cole because that's something Verlander obviously did really well early on in his career is that he did 93-94, and then he reached back and he throw 100. I don't know if you're going to see a lot of triple digits from Cole, but he does have that ability to, to pull back and get more out of the fastball. Uh, as for his stuff, he was pretty happy with it uh, in the start yesterday. He said he thought, had at least a feel for everything. Uh, he's starting to throw more change-ups. Uh, Chris Stewart, his catcher, was pretty impressed with the way that he kind of worked that pitch in uh, Sunday, except for the, the one that Jeremy Hazelbaker hit uh, over the fence. But uh, Chris Stewart said that was the only bad one he threw. So, I mean, he has a lot of weapons at his disposal. So even if one pitch isn't necessarily on, like his slider wasn't totally – where it needed to be yesterday. He can lean on his curveball. He can lean on his changeup. And obviously the fastball alone is such an effective pitch for him. So, yeah, I think yesterday's start was really encouraging for him in a lot of ways, especially coming off of sort of a, a, an uncharacteristically ugly start against the Cubs. Yeah, good bounce back effort for Garrett Cole on Sunday. And, Adam, when you look at the, the whole ball of wax for Cole, uh, the handful of starts now, you know, the, the injury to start the year and missing some time, I believe his ERA, as we talk here on this Monday, is in the mid-threes. If you're a, a Pirates fan in general, is is that about where you want to see Cole right now, or does part of you think, you know what, this guy's the ace, and a, 
a 3-5 ERA, it's not it, it's good. It's certainly good in this day and age. But, again, for a guy of Cole's pedigree, do you want to see those numbers uh, a little bit better considering where he is at this point of the season right now? Sure, yeah. I'm, I'm willing to say that uh, you know fans a month into the season would rather see Cole with a 2-something ERA. And, you know, there's still a chance that he will have that by the time it's all said and done. There's a chance he could have that by the All-Star break, for all we know. Um, it's going to be really funny to watch him come back out, really exciting. I think it's something – really all baseball fans should look forward to is Saturday he's lined up to pitch against Jake Arrieta at Wrigley Field. Mm. So I think that's going to be a huge start for him, uh, just mentally as much as anything, coming out, maintaining his focus, uh, not trying to get too amped up going against Arietta or the Cubs lineup. And I think you'll probably see a little bit more of the traditional Garrett Cole uh, from this point going forward because you're right, he got a little bit of a late start. He's had just some kind of oddly, uh, you know, out-of-sync starts. So – I'll be curious to see how he does going forward, uh, especially Saturday, which should be a fun one. That's going to be a great one, Cole versus Arietta at uh, Wrigley Field. And, you know, in in talking to Garrett Cole as you have and, and knowing Garrett Cole as you do, of course, he's been on the wrong end of the last two wild card games, you know, losing in 2014 to Madison Bumgarner, losing in 2015 to the aforementioned uh, Jake Arietta. And I think that when you when you look at the – the echelons of pitchers in baseball, you know, Cole is certainly up there. He's the undisputed ace of the staff, but I think fans, at least right now, don't put him quite in that class of, say, a Bumgarner or an Arietta, and maybe those two wild card game performances have something to do with that. How much does that kind of weigh on him, and how much is that going to weigh on him going into this weekend as he faces Arietta again uh, for the first time since that wild card game? Yeah, I mean, he wants to be great. He wants to be elite. He has always been that way. Uh, talking to people who know him and you know I talked to his college coach last year and he was always a guy who wanted to be uh, you know special he wanted to have the ball in his hands in the most important situation he was a Friday night starter in college which means something uh, pretty big especially when you come in as a, as a Friday night starter as a freshman at a big school like UCLA so you know he's got the pedigree for it I, I think you know, a fan association with guys who are aces or elite arms or whatever it, it, it comes over time and I think Cole put together the kind of year last year that earns that consideration. But can he do it multiple years in a row? Uh, that's sort of where you earn that respect, I guess, in the game. So if he can do basically what he did last year again or even something slightly worse, maybe something slightly better because he's got that in him, then I think you'll start to hear his name in that conversation a little more. Yeah, I think uh, you know fans by and large know what kind of stuff he has, what kind of talent he possesses. Now it's just a matter of you know winning that proverbial big game against that big game pitcher, such as Arietta obviously is. He's you know put himself in the conversation of baseball's uh, best pitchers. Period. It'll be a fun game at Wrigley on Saturday between the Pirates and the Cubs. Uh, that is for sure. Adam, uh, going back to the series against the Cardinals, the only loss that the Pirates suffered was on Saturday. Uh, the Carpenter. Walk-off homer in the bottom of the ninth, and uh, I think it was just some rotten luck that seemed to be kind of the refrain of the clubhouse that the Pirates did not at least take a lead into the bottom of the ninth because in the top of that inning, Pirates down to their final strike, and Starling Marte with the, I believe, the bases loaded and uh, two outs against Trevor Rosenthal hits the ground rule double, but because it was a ground rule double, it prevented the go-ahead run from scoring, and the Pirates had to settle for taking a 4-4 tie into the bottom of the inning, and again, Carpenter wins it with the walk-off. Was the consensus kind of that, you know what, if not for that bad bounce, that bad break, we could have easily swept the series this weekend? Yeah, several players and manager Clint Hurdle said yesterday that they were a bad bounce away from the sweep, uh, and I think that pretty well sums it up. 
you know, Marte, the, the, the ball bounces into the stands. Gregory Polanco has to stop at third base. He could have he would have scored. The Pirates would have had a one-run lead heading into the bottom of the ninth, at which point you see Mark Melanson instead of A.J. Shugel. I don't know, butterfly effect and all that. Does one bounce change the way the whole rest of the, uh, the game plays out, or does Melanson come out there and give up that home run as well? We'll never know. But you have a much better chance of Mark Melanson getting through a scoreless ninth just statistically and based on you know their career body of work than A.J. Shugel getting through it. So. Yeah, it was uh, that was basically the the overall tone and mood and message in the clubhouse on Sunday. And then, you know, Clint Hurdle also probably could have used Mark Melanson. Uh, you know, tie game, ninth inning road. It's not typically what he does. Uh, you're you're going to see Hurdle look for save situations for Melanson, unless it's just something where he hasn't pitched in three or four days and he needs to get some work in. That's something we actually talked about uh, just earlier this afternoon here in Cincinnati. Is that, you know, Mark Melanson had 51 saves last year. Hurdle's going to trust him in save situations almost exclusively. So, you know, maybe that was or wasn't a spot for Melanson. That's a whole different matter for debate, something that I think a lot of teams are kind of exploring right now. But that's typically not where you're going to see the Pirates uh, move, which made that, that Marte bounce sort of all the more unfortunate for them. Yeah, I know that uh, – I think we've talked about it on uh, previous podcasts. That That's such a debate along with, you know, should the NL have a designated hitter. Uh, this debate, too, always rages on. Do you use your closer in a tie game in the ninth inning or whatever inning on the road? Clint Hurdle electing not to. C- can you see, you know, a circumstance where maybe it's okay, quote-unquote, to, to put Melanson out there because it's not – you know, they're not playing somebody outside the division. This is a, a major division foe. This, yes, it's only one game, but, I mean, could, could you have justified Melanson being out there in the ninth inning of that 4-4 game over the weekend? Yeah, I think you could have because that is, you know, those the most important outs are the outs right in front of you. You know, if, if A.J. Shu gives up the home run like he does, then Melanson's just sitting there in the bullpen and there's not much you can do with him. On the other hand, there is the argument, you know, that if Mark Melanson gets through the ninth and somebody has to pitch the tenth, if they do wind up with a lead and – you know, it's 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 essentially just delaying an inevitable decision. Uh, so if there is an argument. There's an argument on both sides, and I can see it. And you know, some closers are just more comfortable working in safe situations. That's one area where the Pirates are fortunate is that Melanson will do whatever he's asked to do. So, you know, he certainly could have gone out there and done what he usually does in the ninth inning on Saturday. But I think Hurdle just really prefers that sort of uh, line of thinking where you use your closer and save situations and whether or not he'll change on that eventually like he has on a number of other sort of traditional versus new school baseball topics I don't know um, but it's, it's certainly something to watch and something that we've talked about uh, with Hurdle so far this season yeah definitely and uh, Adam as we come down the stretch let's talk about some uh, some offensive performances uh, let's begin with uh, David Freeze not so much what he did at the plate but just simply receiving a raucous ovation coming to the plate Saturday as a uh, pinch hitter and of course Freeze etched in uh, Cardinals lore as the 2011 World Series MVP. Uh, such an outstanding postseason that year. He's a Missouri guy. I grew up near St. Louis, and I got to think that for him, it was just a, a moment he'll never forget. Yeah, that was just such a special thing to be a part of. Cardinals fans really did that whole thing right. Uh, the way that they responded to him, you know, local guy, hometown hero, World Series hero, coming back for the first time as a visiting player. You know, he met with the local media before, and he was just, in such a good mood, so happy to be back, so honest about the experience that he had there because he was traded away, you know, and, and he even said that was uh, the best move for him and it was the best move for the Cardinals, which he was perfectly willing to recognize. So, you know, to see everyone kind of handle a, a 
breakup like that is just really good to see in general, uh, especially the division rival thing like things like that. Um, Freeze handled it really well. The Cardinals fans handled it well. And Yadier Molina uh, on Sunday when Freeze comes up for the first, you know, for his first at bat of the game, Molina kind of steps in front of the plate a little bit to let the fans, uh, you know, give him a little bit more recognition, let the whole thing go on a little longer, and let Freeze soak it in without having to worry about stepping in the box. So it's a really cool moment to see uh, both Saturday night when Freeze pinch hit, and then again when he started on Sunday. Yeah, and like you said, a, a great uh, kind of under-the-radar thing by Yadier Molina, such a, a classy, intelligent veteran to just kind of mill around and, you know, take your time and, and, you know, adjust your glove and your mask and whatever you have to do to let that ovation linger a few more seconds. Very classy thing there uh, by Yadier Molina and a great moment for David Freeze. Uh, to wrap up here, Adam, uh, Jung Ho Gong wasted no time making an impact in his 2016 debut on Friday as he crushed uh, not one but two home runs. Now, he did uh, start the next day, then on Sunday he pinch hit. Are the Pirates going to kind of gradually get him back in the flow before they make him an everyday starter again, or do they feel that he's kind of ready to hit the ground running here? No, that's the plan is uh, two on, one off. So you saw him start Friday when he hit the two home runs, and then he started Saturday when he looked a little better in the field, and then today was a day off where he pinch hit. It's going to be the way things go. Really, probably for a little while. Clint Hurdle even said the other day that you're probably not going to see Gong run at 100% until next season. It was a very serious injury that he's coming off of. Uh, you know, even last year they were careful with his playing time just because he was coming uh, from the Korean baseball organization where they have a different shorter schedule. So they're going to be even more mindful of that this year, uh, just given the nature of the injury that he sustained. If you get to the point where he shows that his endurance is up and maybe you see him uh, three days out of four or four days out of five, uh, you know, one day off for a week. But I think for now, especially with Freeze is such a capable at third base, you're going to see him, uh, yeah, two two out of three days, two in a row, one off. Um, and, you know, maybe that'll help his bat. Maybe that'll keep him strong through the course of the season. That's something the Pirates uh, certainly monitor a lot more uh, than other teams and something they put a lot of focus into is rest patterns and keeping guys fresh, not wearing them out. Uh, you know, trying to prevent slumps before they happen as opposed to reacting to them after they're already taking place. So they'll be even more mindful with that uh, with Jung Ho, I think. Great stuff, as always, from Pirates reporter Adam Barry on this Monday, May 9th. Adam will do it again next week, and thanks again for your time. In the meantime, Matt Wehmeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, Pittsburgh Pirates. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.